What's up, witches? Hi, witches. We're finally back. We're back. It's been a long time. It, uh, yeah, about mid-December. Yeah, but that's you, the. I think that's the longest we've ever gone without doing a show. Possibly, but you've put out shows, and I've put out shows, and we're all putting well, out shows. So I've I've put out show. No, I have put out two shows. You've put out two shows. Maybe even three sh- three shows since we. Which I don't know. Which is half as many as you put out last year, as you said on your show. <laughs> I don't know what is wrong with me. I have absolutely no idea. Would you like a list? I I've got my. I keep one right here of what. Yes, I'm sure that you do keep a list of what's wrong with me. I'm sure that you stay awake nights adding <laughs> to it. After every conversation we have, okay, I'll talk to you later. Click, grumble, 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 list, list, list. These are all the things that are wrong with you. Uh, <laughs> well, sure. you, you you got me the other day. And, and or is you... that just me? <laughs> <laughs> you, you got me the other day and corrected my, my Broadway knowledge. So I, 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 I must... I have, have to tell you, I... I love having a gay friend. Again, it's been a very long time since I've had a gay friend, and I find it fabulous. But I find I it fabulous being love, the gay friend, just by the way. I especially love the fact that I can correct this gay friend on Broadway musical information. I, I, I mean, that's, I, that's incorrectly, I incorrectly assigned a song to Miss Saigon when it was yes. indeed South Pacific. Yes, and that's actually the second time that, that 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 has happened. The first time was not public, so nobody remembers that. Nobody knows about that. But that's the second time, and I think after the third time, somebody's gay card has to be no, revoked. Yeah, well, you know, I already said this week that I don't like the new Madonna song. So I know, the, I know. And if I cared about that, that the, might be grounds for revoking. The gay mafia is is actually after me right now. I am in a safe house. Uh, in Texas, where they can't find me. No, you're not. No, I'm not in Texas. God, no. I'm going into. I'm going to Texas to see my family soon, but uh, I'm not there now. Yes. Is... Well, maybe maybe you will go into Texas, and the gay mafia will not let you out again. <laughs> maybe you will. End they up won't stuck let me back in into society. I suppose. Right. Exactly. <laughs> they'll keep. They'll keep you stuck in Texas. Oh gosh, lots has happened. Lots yeah. has happened since well, we have done a show. We did. There lots. Happened? Really? Well, there was there was New Year's. We, we okay. We yeah, New that Year's, and we we happened. did indeed miss Christmas and Yule. We did our show prior to those holidays. We, did. we didn't miss them. I mean, we, we, they still happened. We just didn't talk about them. <laughs> they didn't happen because we did not discuss them. <laughs> that's how the podcasting worked. If that's how the world worked, there would be a lot of things that didn't happen. Uh, Valentine's Day is coming up as well. Puke. Uh. Sorry. You know, and Valentine's Day is coming up, and everybody is going to be getting dressed up in their very nice clothes and putting on their peacock shows for their partners of choice for the evening. And it just got me to thinking about clothing. No, it didn't. You were thinking about clothing a month and a half ago. You know what? I'm trying to make this wonderful segue. I'm trying to make this wonderful segue. You're just, you're killing it. You're just killing it. But see, no, see, the idea of a good segue is that it's not just a complete tissue of lies from one end to the other. (laughs) You know what isn't a lie, though? Do you know what today is? You know what this is? Um, It's Saturday, and I haven't had enough coffee to answer the rest of that question. This is our 20th show. Is it really? It is our 20th show. 
That's awesome. I think that's kind of cool. Well, I am celebrating with a giganto mug of coffee and my brand new little fingerless mitts that I knitted for myself. I'm Those so really are cute mittens. You I'm so open. proud of myself. I'm just learning how shot. to knit. And I'm, I can crochet circles around anybody. But knitting has always just absolutely baffled me. And I figured it out. And I did it. And I'm wearing them. And they're so cute. No, we've actually been talking about doing a show on uh, on costume, on clothing, and, and the magical uses thereof for a little while now. Um, but uh, we did get an email uh, from Kate, uh, who that, that was sort of along this line. Kate, who I was so worried that I was going to horribly offend when I told her that she was totally wrong about whatever it was that she... <laughs> emailed us about the last time but it was um, very sweet she says hello firelight and velma she alternated the names yes maybe maybe first. she is a little bit mad at me i don't know <laughs> uh thank you for answering my email about the merry christmas question i only had that one person that got snippy with me everyone else was fine with my typical greeting another thing i've noticed about people that come into my store is that they are just fascinated with my jewelry i don't know what it is about a pentacle necklace that gets people all in a tizzy i've had countless people ask me what does your necklace mean or are you jewish depending on how the question is asked i'll respond with it's a star it doesn't mean anything or yes i'm jewish and to very few i give an honest answer i figure if you don't know what it means or you think you know what it means i don't want to have to deal with the typical backlash that comes with an honest answer it's just so irritating when people just have to bug me about it i think i'm going to start asking people hey what does that t stand for (laughs) that's good okay that's funny that was that was that was a good amount of snark for the morning Uh, so what do you guys think about this? I'm not taking it off for anyone, and it's frankly none of their business, in my opinion. I guess this wasn't so much a question. It's more of a talking point. Thanks for the- <laughs> Channeling Linda Richmond of Coffee Talk. I'm for clumps. Talk amongst yourselves. I'll give you a topic. Pagans are one point shy of being Jewish. Disgust. And yes, I did just do that on the show. Yeah. Yes, you did. And With now everyone, everyone will hear it. And it is recorded for all time. Yes. You know, I, I did. And I, you know, what's really sad is in 500 years, some archaeologist is going to come across this odd metal contraption and devise a way to discover what, it, what its previous use was. And they're, going to be listen, and they're going to listen to all of our back shows. And they're going to think, wow, these people are intelligent. And they know what they're talking. And then they're going to come to that little bit that you just <laughs> did and go, okay, no, we need to rework this paper. Because obviously these people were not as smart as we thought they were. Thank you. So thank you for that. <laughs> and thank you, Kate, for giving me the opportunity to do that on the show. You know, um, I, did a, I did a short story on, on my little Yule short stories episode thing. And uh, I did this funny voice for my character, Jer the Jinn, the, the genie that grants mm-hmm. the wishes. Yes. A- and I've had requests to please do an entire show with you on Inciting a Brouhaha in that voice. <laughs> I think I would come through the computer and strangle you. Um, okay, b- besides the delightful amount of snark about the, what does that little T mean? Okay, is it, just, like me? Is it just me... Am I the only person that has worn a pentacle and never had somebody ask if I'm Jewish? I've only had somebody ask if I'm Jewish once. That happens, though? I have I have been asked that, yeah. I'm starting to think, like, that I think that these people are, just, like, this collective... Uh, no, there are people who don't know that a Jewish star has six points. They think, oh, it's a star, it must be Jewish. Uh-huh. 
usually you find those people in communities where there are not a lot of Jewish people, and therefore they don't have the opportunity to see what a Jewish star looks like with six points. Uh-huh. I, okay. Yes, I have had that happen once. I've, I've never had that happen. Um, okay, something strikes me as um, just immediately saying that it doesn't mean anything to you. If it means something to you, I think you should say it means something to you. Well, okay, but is it your obligation to explain to perfect strangers who are trying to be all up in your business what it means to you when what it means to you is something that, in most cases, is very private and very personal? Hmm... I mean, uh, okay, okay. Well, and this this sort of leads us into a great uh, point of of costume and of of all of, all of that in general. If you're wearing it for all of the public to see, how private are you trying to keep it? And I I agree with that point, and that's part of the reason why I don't typically wear a pentacle. Well, not, I don't typically wear a pentacle either, like mainly simple. because I had a pentacle, the chain that I had it on broke, and I never got another chain for it. But I no, I I like it just fine. But there are other things that to me are actually more representative of what I think or, or, you know, a deity that I happen to have a a fondness for or something that have meaning to me that I know are not going to bring up those questions because I know from, yes, your hair is a mess. Would you stop messing with it, please? (sighs) Video podcast videos are just, it's very, (laughs) very distracting. Sorry. (laughs) But no, I mean, you have to know. You have to know. There is absolutely no way that you cannot know that if you go out in public with a pentacle visible, there is at least the possibility that somebody is going to notice it. And there is the possibility that the person who notices it is going to decide to take issue with it. You have to know that. You just, I'm sorry, I don't care how big the rock is that you live under. You have to know that there is at least the potential to have that happen. Which, again, I mean, it's just my point of, okay, if you're going to wear your religious symbol openly, I, I just wonder why you would then try to say that it's not something important to you. I mean, because if you're going to take the time and the effort to wear something like that, it's obviously of some import to you. I mean, it's, there's obviously some sort of level of meaning for you. I don't think you would just put it on just for funsies, especially something as, as divisive as a pentacle in, in America or in whatever country you happen to live in. I mean, it's a pretty divisive symbol in most places uh, because okay, of its, but, its okay. misunderstood nature. Okay, so just go with me on this for a minute, okay? Okay, I'm here. Let's say you and partner get married. okay. And you have a wedding ring on. Uh-huh. And you go to a some kind of big deal social function with a lot of people that are that you know are relatively conservative. Uh-huh. And somebody come up comes up to you and says, Oh, what does your wife do for a living? You don't know this person. Okay. How are you going to Approach that and still feel comfortable with a complete stranger that you know is probably not going to agree with your lifestyle. Um, I say, uh, well, we we typically use the gender neutral term partner. um, And I say, uh, you know, uh, my partner's a veterinarian. My my partner's a vet, something like that. And then they say, oh, partner, oh, are you, oh, 
And then that's sort of it. I mean, that's the end of it. it it's, but the thing is, I guess with me, it's never been something that's been very easy for me to hide. It's not, I mean, I'm, I'm not the macho quarterback on the football team. <laughs> And and it's just it's never been easy for me to hide. So there's especially once I came out, it was just sort of a non-issue from there. And it was if you're going to take issue with that, then that is going to be your issue. I have already made my peace with the well, issues that I have yes. with that. And, and I and I agree with you. And that's very much how I've sort of been with my spirituality. But at the same time, there are a lot of people in both communities who would probably say things that are blatantly untrue in order to not create a situation that they're uncomfortable with. And I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with it, but I also don't think it necessarily devalues the way that you feel to say something like that to a perfect stranger who doesn't know you, who you'll never see again, who is getting all up in your face about something that is none of their business. See, I talked about this on my show. God, like, wow, like a million years ago at this point. <laughs> <laughs> about my opinions of, of um, and I remember the, that particular show centered around uh, this whole sort of moderately new concept of wearing the rosary as just sort of a fun new fashion accessory. I remember that. That was before I actually ta ever talked to you. Yeah. That, that was, was a, that long that ago. That was a long time ago. And I got yep. people, I, that was such a divisive show so very, very early on, which I did not honestly expect it to be. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, my my point, and I'm sure I'm uh, a little bit more eloquent about it now than I was then, but my point was that if we constantly just turn something into costume jewelry, if we just turn it into something and then pretend it has no meaning um, or say it has no meaning or it has no personal meaning for us, then over time that thing does not have any meaning it does not have any power it does not have any uh spiritual value anymore other than just looking neat and sort of being a send-up of a particular culture or another and i think that the same thing can be said for something like a pentacle where if it's your pentacle and it, supposedly it means something to you but you constantly tell people that it doesn't or you direct them in another direction uh, you know you give that misdirection of oh it's i'm jewish or oh i'm this or i'm that um, I think that what you're doing is, is, is personally devaluing it for yourself and possibly sort of sticking a wedge in between yourself and, and, uh, the divine, or at least your connection with that particular symbol for yourself. Because if, if, uh, we, we like to say that words are power and that, that thoughts are, are, you know, that a witch's thoughts have power. And that if you're constantly thinking, oh no, this isn't anything to me, then over time, wouldn't you be creating the situation where it wasn't anything to you? I don't think it's something that you should do all the time, but I do disagree that... Oh, I think you know, every, every morning you have to get up and sit in the mirror and say, this is what I disbelieve. Then I am a bad person because <laughs> I have never done that. I have, I have told people, though, that a pentacle is just a star, and I don't think that it devalues my personal opinion. I, I mean, I don't think it, it, it undermines my relationship with the divine to do that. I think I think it's one of those cases. It's kind of you know, it's kind of like when people say, "Pick your battles." I is this some... a, is this a, because? Okay, keep in mind too. This particular issue is something that not only is a hot button issue for a lot of people, but it is also something that is vastly misunderstood. Yes. So if you just come out and say, "Oh yeah, I'm Wiccan," 
you have no concept, especially if you don't know this person, if they're a stranger, you have no concept of what they think that means. So basically by saying, oh, yes, I'm Wiccan, you are at least inviting the opportunity to have an hour-long discussion, possibly debate, possibly heated debate with somebody you don't even know and don't care about to try to explain yourself because they want to get up in your business and know what's around your neck. And I just don't think that's I, I don't think that's right. I think if you want to say, oh, it's just a star, oh, I just think it's pretty, whatever, I, I'm okay with that. I don't think that it's going to devalue it. Now, I do think if it's somebody who is close to you, if it's somebody who is you know, important in your life, then the situation is a little bit different. But if it's some perfect stranger coming up to you and poking at you, back off. It's none of your business. And, you know, if I have to say, oh, it's just pretty, then, you know, if that makes you go away instead of being involved in something that is that is not your business. How cute is this perfect stranger? Oh, shut up. Well, I mean, if the perfect stranger is going to come poke you, I mean, no. Um, one time I had somebody ask me, is that a Lone Star? I was in Texas. Is that a Lone Star? Um, okay. The pentacle that I had. Um, one second, I have it. I'll show it to you. This was in oh, no that, way. No, 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 uh, okay, I'm the only it's one right who will see it, and that's not going to help. It's right here. I'm going to show no, you. 99% of the people listening will not be able to see it. Would you just describe it, please? It's all swirly. Who cares? I do. Oh, well. So oh, now here. we have to sit here for five minutes while no, you dig it's here. It's here. I got it. It's just right there. I'm in my altar room. Uh, Pentacle. <laughs> this is what somebody thought was a Lone Star. It, it's, well, it's, it's a solid star in a circle. I right, can see but it has all it, these it, little swirly, Celtic-y knot thingies on okay, the star. Were they, okay, you have, to, you have to admit, though, you were, like, putting that in my face. Were they actually that close to it? Yeah, fairly close. <laughs> because from a distance, it looks like a solid star with a ring around it, which could very well be a lone star i mean I don't know. it was pretty dark pewter and, and all swirly and stuff but but okay so but i looked at the guy i was like really <laughs> really come on really <laughs> let's let's be honest about what this is here you never thought that this was a lone star don't don't act like that i think it's like a coping mechanism for other people it's like well i think he worships Beelzebub, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say he worships George Bush instead. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure which is worse. I think I know which is worse. I think I know which is worse too, and it's not the one most people would think. Me neither. <sighs> but what about costume? What about what? What does it say about us? Well, okay, back up before okay. before we get to costume. Um, now I I don't agree with you on everyday jewelry. I do agree with you if there is specific jewelry that typically you only wear for ritual. Oh, well, that, well, gosh, if you're wearing that out to the supermarket, that's... Well, okay, that's your first problem. Yeah. But but I do think if you have put significant time and energy into a specific piece of jewelry for a specific purpose to create a bond with the divine or to get you in a ritual mindset or whatever, yes, first of all, you shouldn't be wearing it to the supermarket, but... If you happen to forget that you have it on and you go out and somebody asks you, that I think playing off, oh, it's nothing, 
I, I think that may take something away from the energy of it. I don't, I don't think it necessarily messes with your individual connection, but I think if it's a piece of jewelry that you have charged for a specific purpose, um, I, I do think that it will sort of counteract some of that energy. I don't know that, you know, instantly, oh, no, it's just pretty, poof, all the magic is gone from it. I don't think it works like that. But I do think that is a different sort of scenario. And the same could be said for clothing that is used specifically for ritual. Like a lot of people don't use robes, but they will use specific street clothes for ritual that they keep for ritual. Uh-huh. And I think that's, that's different. I, 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 there's, there's definitely a delineation there for me. Ooh, good word. Thank you. <laughs> My coffee is kicking in. Woohoo! <laughs> Velma's coffee has magic word-giving powers. It does! <laughs> it makes my vocabulary get bigger. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, well, okay. Uh, we have talked about jewelry before, which is why I don't want us to dwell on the, uh, on the topic. I've talked about, you we know, the, sil- really this the, the silver ring that, that I wear and things like that. I think that we can, we have mundane symbols that we can wear. I don't know. I just think that if you, like you said, if you're wearing a pentacle, you're sort you- of inviting somebody to say, so what's that? And I think you yeah. should also have the wherewithal to understand that you might need to be able to answer some of those. I mean, I just think that you are inviting the conversation. I think that the way the question is asked should be a factor in determining how you respond uh-huh. and the and the situation surrounding it. I mean, if it's, you know, a professional environment and you're really busy and somebody asks you a quick question and you've got a meeting you've got to get to and you've got stuff happening... I don't think you need to try to invite an hour-long conversation to try to make sure people understand you because they asked about your jewelry. So I, I think that the, the the scenario and who it is that's asking should be brought I, into... I think you can also, um, because, you know, in a good definition of something, you define it without um, get, using the word... And I, I, maybe you can tell somebody that it's a pentacle without saying the word pentacle, because the word pentacle can get exceptionally charged. Um, you know, you, you say, oh, what they say, what is that? And you say, oh, it's a pentacle. Uh, you know, they, they immediately conjure up the idea that you are sitting there sacrificing kitties or something like that <laughs> to Satan. And, um, you know, I think that what you could possibly be doing is... Uh, say it's a symbol of my goddess. It's a symbol of the goddess, or it's a symbol of you know divine power, or whatever. I, I think that you could possibly devi- define it without using the word pentacle because it's it's such a charged word that people already think they know what it means. Sorry, I have no idea what you just said. My alarm clock started going <laughs> off in the other room because this is when I was actually supposed to be getting up so that we could record this show. Um, no, I was just saying that instead of uh, using the word pentacle, you know, when somebody says, what is it? Instead yeah. of saying, oh, it's a pentacle, I think you could say maybe it, whatever it, it, it is to you. It's a symbol of my gods. It's a symbol of whatever. And it just, it takes the charge out of the word pentacle for people um, so that you can maybe have a little bit more of a, of a non-hostile discussion. Because pentacle, and, like Wicca, is a word that everybody thinks they know already. Yes, I do think that you can be a little bit more vague in what you say. Um, I have at times also said things like, oh, it's a, it's a spiritual symbol or, you know, something along those lines. I've actually, the most interesting inquiry I've ever gotten into a pentacle, I used to have a 
silver pinnacle on a black ribbon hanging from my rearview mirror. A very simple, not big, not super flashy, just, you know, about an inch in diameter. <laughs> and I was going through the drive through at Starbucks at one point. And you know how when they're not quite ready for you to actually be there, they tend to lean out the window and talk to you like they actually care and know you, you know? Uh-huh. Like they're so, giving you that barista service outside right, the window. Right, <laughs> exactly. Because that is so crucial when I get my venti white peppermint mocha. Um, but anyway, so... <laughs> The person, I, I can't even remember now if it was a man or a woman, but they're leaning out the window and they're talking to me. And she went, oh, that's pretty. Now, what does that mean again? And I said, well, it's a pentacle. And she said, but yeah, but I know that. But what does it mean? Okay, but to be fair, in coffee shops, that's a totally different world. <laughs> okay, but, that's, but that's also part of my point is you have to sort of think, okay, where am I? Who is this person? And how are they reacting to this? Yeah. So, you know, sometimes you can just say, oh, well, you know, the five points are earth, air, fire, water, and spirit, and the circle is, you know, the, the universe that encompasses all five. You don't have to say it's a pentacle. You can just say what a pentacle is and so you can <laughs> not say, use the word. You can say this one is sex, and this one is also oh, sex. And stop. The iron pentacle was something like that. <laughs> sex. And, I don't stop. remember. That was part of the fairy tradition. I did a show. <laughs> a costume. The clothes well, we wear. Topic. Magical oh, like... magical clothing. Yeah. Um, okay. What do you think about magical clothing? <laughs> As you guzzle your coffee. <laughs> yes. It's almost half gone. I know. That's okay. I think you take... Uh, you do ritual clothing, don't you? Do you Sometimes. Do you robes and things? No, I don't have robes. You don't have robes? What no. Do, what is your ritual clothing then? I don't really have specific. Okay. This is going to sound so weird. I don't really have specific ritual clothing. Although I do tend to wear pentacle socks. What? I do. <laughs> I, sorry. You may not know this. I love silly socks. Uh-huh. Love them. In fact, the ones that I'm wearing right now, I don't know if I can actually get my foot up here so that you can see them, but they're pink and they have little sock monkey heads all over them. They're so cute. Oh, I love God. my silly socks. Oh dear gods. <laughs> Oh, yeah, they're adorable. They're adorable. I love no, them. No, and when I was in Salem many, many moons ago, I found a pair of socks that are black with white pentacles knitted in them. Mm-hmm. And I have since been back to Salem, obviously, as we all know, and I have bought more of them. So I have pentacle socks, and I tend to wear pentacle socks for ritual. And I do have jewelry that I wear, but I am not... I I am physically not comfortable running around naked all the time. Are you sure? Yes. I am physically not comfortable. Then why were you running around naked at my house? I just, like, you said, oh, I do this all the time. I never run around naked anywhere. (laughs) Except maybe my own house on very, very, very rare occasions. And that's usually only when, oh, my God, I'm about to jump in the shower, but I have to go to the kitchen really quick. Don't ask. I don't know, but I... I don't do that. I, also, I need to jump in the shower, but I've got to marinate this steak right now. Or, oh my God, I left the oven on. Or, oh, there's a candle burning somewhere and my cat will set himself on fire if I don't extinguish it before I get in the shower. I yes, don't know. these things I, do I think, happen occasionally. I think if I were naked, I would be avoiding, avoiding candles, what with the hot wax and all. Okay, if you can't blow out a candle without getting hot wax all over yourself to the extent that you actually are causing burns... You have serious issues. So about your ritual wear. 
But yes, I tend to just sort of get dressed up a little bit. You know, I try to look nice. I try to make sure I'm all clean. And I, you know, I'll, sometimes I'll do my makeup. I am very into the aesthetic, right? Which it, it seems like I'm the kind of person that would have specific robes or, you know, a dress or something specific that I wear. But yeah, I, I, would, I would think you would have like a Monday robe and a Tuesday robe no. and a Wednesday robe, depending no. on when the ritual I happened. Have, I don't even have a Saturday going to circle robe. I got nothing. <laughs> Wow, yeah. you got Southern real quick there. <laughs> um, I grew up in the South too, sweetheart. Sunday go to meeting. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But, uh, I, I know that I may not use the terminology, but I know the terminology. <laughs> you know, but the- no, I, I am more into, okay, what am I doing? What is the emotion or the energy that I want to create with this? And then I go into my wardrobe and to my makeup and to, you know, hair and jewelry and all of that to emphasize what it is that I'm doing because I'm very into the aesthetic of the actual working Uh and I am much more involved in trying to like, you know, if it's, here's my problem. Okay. So we've got all these, we've got eight, eight holidays, right? And I'm not, we're not going to get into a discussion of holidays, but your favorite just happened. (laughs) There are different, there are different colors associated with each holiday, Right. Uh-huh. And typically, if you are celebrating an espet, you would wear white. And if you're celebrating a dark moon, you would wear black or a dark color, right? Okay. So that's 10 different colored robes right there. Okay. If you're going to have a robe that is appropriate to whatever you're doing. You could just have one that you wear all the time, but we've already established I'm very into the whole let's coordinate. Let's be matchy-matchy, right? You should Martha's just have a technicolor dream <laughs> robe you do know which reference that broadway show is right nine to five. <sighs> oh dear god <laughs> oh which lasted like five minutes on broadway i think maybe it's a good movie it's a very good movie i, like I, movie. I did just see that movie it's, for the first time uh, the other day a, a yeah couple weeks i ago. watched that the other day with a friend of mine it's, it, it, it's it, such a good it movie. is a good movie and the, i like that the humor holds up yes the, the humor holds up. Yes. Um, but no, that's, that's my problem is I want to get into the mood of the actual thing I'm doing. Uh-huh. And I have never found anything that's just one thing that actually does that. Uh, but, you know, the, the interesting thing is I don't really do ritual guard. Like, I don't, you know, when I'm doing magic, I don't know that I've ever really put myself into the mood of it with dress. I put myself into the mood of it with candles or with the stuff on the altar or, you know, laying stones around everywhere or putting on some music, you know, I'll set the mood for myself. I, the garb for me is just not really something that, that I get into, but I will, I, I feel as though I do, you know, I guess clothing magic as it were. Um, for other things. And I definitely did it whenever I was a skinny little 18 year old going out to clubs for the first time. And I realized that, well, everybody does that. <laughs> well, I know, but it's, it, well, uh, you know, it was something, well, I did, I specifically did it. I mean, I did it specifically as a spell. <laughs> yes. But I mean, I think, you know, it's kind of like when they say, you know, when you, when you go to a job interview, you want to dress like you have the job. I mean, uh-huh. it's, it's all, 
you know, there is definitely sympathetic magic in the way you present yourself to other people, especially when there's a goal that you're trying to attain. Right. So to me, it makes sense to incorporate that into ritual if the ritual is for a specific thing that you are trying to attain. I mean, it's just, it's a no brainer for me, but because I like to do that, it doesn't lend itself to this is the same thing that I wear all the time, every time, no matter what it is for any working that I'm doing, because I do see the sympathetic magic aspect of the clothing and the the jewelry and the makeup and the whole nine yards. And I choose to use that as part of what I do. See, and I, I, I look, um, I look at it more as almost spiritual armor, which I think is possibly why I do it when I'm outside of my house, because I don't think that I need some sort of spiritual armor, some sort of magical armor inside my house, because my house is already, you know, sort of a safe place and, and that kind of thing. But gosh, you know, even when I go work out, you know, uh, at the gym, there's, there's, I just, I put on the gym shorts and, and, you know, little tank top. And then I put on the, the workout gloves and all that. And I put those gloves on and I'm thinking, yeah, I just, you know, I really want to get in there and, and lift the weights. And it just puts me in this totally different mindset. Um, well, it is very much, you know, Superman putting on his costume. Absolutely. Now, whether that costume is the superhero suit or the business suit, we're not going to get into, but there is definitely, a case of it's the gold lame thong he wears for Lois. You're welcome. Why do you keep going there? Why You're welcome, do you keep everyone. Going? What? You're welcome, no. everyone. No, 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 no. Moving on. But there is something to be said for changing. Yeah, go ahead. Stick the stick the pin in the voodoo doll. I am <laughs> not afraid of you. Have we not established this already? Oh, I'm not afraid. But no, when you when you are in certain situations and there is certain attire that goes with that, putting it on is sort of, you know, allowing yourself to, what's the word I'm looking for? To draw out that side of your personality. Right. It's almost like when you or I sit down to record a show, it, it, sometimes it almost feels like that other persona just sort of takes over. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's something that's very hard to explain. And it's, it's the sitting in front of the microphone it. and it's the sitting in front of the software and all of a sudden other parts of your brain start flashing on, okay, this is what you do and this is how you do it and this is how your voice needs to sound. And Right, exactly. And it's very difficult to explain to people who have not experienced it. But clothing can be the same way. Absolutely. But again, for me, I don't feel that I need that in, in my ritual life. That's not something that I use um, in, in ritual or, or, you know, when I'm, when I'm standing in front of my altar. And I, I don't know why other than I just think that outside of my house it's something I need. And inside of my house, I guess I already have those walls around me. I already feel like I'm keeping other people out and only expressing the part of myself that I want to or something like that. It all depends on what your triggers are. It all depends on what it is that's going to help you get into the mindset that's going to allow you to have a successful ritual or a successful spell. I mean, if it's a quick spell, I'm not going to go into my closet and, you know, spend an hour and a half getting ready to do a two minute spell. But if it's an actual full blown ritual or if it's, you know, a big deal to me, then, you know, I'm going to go more out of my way. But that's what works for me. And, you know, the clothing and all that doesn't do anything for you. So I don't know that you need any kind of specific witchy wear if, you know, that's not what does it for you. Um, if we were to give somebody some examples, if somebody were to say, to, to email us back in and say, Velma and Firelight, 
um, you know, what are some, exa- you know, what could I wear to magically go to a job interview to magically, I don't know, be a little bit more fiduciary about my grocery shopping or something. You know, I'm going to the grocery store and I want to make sure that I'm, I am prompt and I save money or something like that. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, what, what would be some examples? But uh, okay. And can you, can you do, can you do costume magic like that for any situation? I mean, for l- any situation under the sun, I think you could do it for any situation that you could do regular magic for. I mean, I, I just look at it as another form of magic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the important thing is for you to spend some serious time beforehand, like for the job interview. Okay. What does this job involve? What is my responsibility level? What are the duties that I would be doing? How would the ideal person in this job, what would, how would they look? How, how would they dress? Would they, you know, I mean, depending on the job, it could be jeans and a t-shirt. It could be, you know, tight short skirt and, you know, tight top with cleavage exposed. It could be a business suit. Well, that's what I wear to job interviews. It could be business casual. I mean, it, it depends on what the job is and what is it about you that you are wanting to show the people who are interviewing you? Do you want to show them how responsible you are? Do you want to show them how, you know, good you are with money? If you're, you know, wanting to be an accountant, are you wanting to show them that you're really hot because you want to be a stripper? I mean, it depends on what the job is. Now, is this an area of magic where you should get a second opinion? I mean, is this an area of magic where, you know, I'm going in for the job I want and this is how I would dress if I was an executive but it also happens to be most people's idea of a street hooker or something. I mean, you know, should, is this something that we should be? I think there, I think you need to have a certain uh, realistic appreciation for what the job actually is. And I think if you go to a job interview to be a business manager, dressed like a hooker, you're not going to get the job. Well, I mean, that's an extreme example, but I mean, okay. You you see what not to wear all the time. And you see people that are like, you know, Oh, well this tie dye shirt makes me feel powerful. And this, you know, these baggy pants make me feel great. And it's like, okay. Yeah. But, um, you're wearing them to work or, you know, you're wearing, whatever and i I think it can be more about uh, less about how you feel and more about how it makes other people feel and i think that might be the magic yes but i I, and i do think it's good to get a second opinion but i don't necessarily i mean i think you need to be careful about second opinion you can tweet me a picture of what you're wearing and i will break it down for you honey Okay. I, I will help That's you. That's all I'm going to say about that. I will help you. <laughs> no, I, I do think that, you know, if there is somebody that you trust that, you know, knows that what they're talking about, I think it would be a good idea to get a second opinion. But at the same time, I think you want to also incorporate those things that make you feel powerful and, and make you feel like you are the right person for this job or, you know, whatever the, the qualities are that, that they're looking for. So maybe you dress well on a regular basis. What um, can you add to that normally dressing well to give yourself an extra magical oomph? I'm and, so glad you asked that question. That's such an easy question to answer. Uh, but I, I, but think outside of the – I mean, the, the typical example is always a job interview. But how many times are we on a job interview? 
I mean, yeah, this you, is true. This I is mean, very true. On your day to day life, you're not in job interviews. You're you're probably at your job. Okay, so say you're going out on a date. Okay, say you're going on a date. We're for going, most people, Velma that happens and I more are than, going on a date. For, for most people, that happens more than job interviews. Not for all of us, but for some people. It, it hopefully will happen more often than a job interview. <laughs> I'm well, just who going, knows? Maybe, you're, just, maybe your bigger need is a job. Quietly. I don't know. I'm just going to sit here quietly. But no, I, I think <laughs> the easiest thing that you can do is add intent. Okay. Because most people get up in the morning and they get dressed and they make sure that they look okay, but they don't actually put the thought into it. You know, I mean, there's this whole idea of having a power tie, right? Mm -hmm. These big executives, they have a power tie. I think it may be a little bit hokey, but if you have a tie that you really like, that you think makes you look all important and wonderful and, you know, whatever, what can you add to that to make it more effective? Can I tell you a quick caveat about power ties? Donald Trump put out an entire line of power ties I saw them at Nordstrom. There's not one good one in the entire bunch. They're all hideous ties. I can believe that. Hideous. Horrible, horrible ties. You don't go to Donald Trump for fashion advice. I I just, you know, I'm like, you're you're going to a guy with a muskrat on his head. Pretty much. Please don't, don't do that ever. Get out of my store. (laughs) No, there there are some people that you go to for one thing, and there are other people that you go to for another thing. And Donald (laughs) Trump is not the one you go to for fashion. No. I mean, come on. Silver no. Wolf is not the one you go to for history. <laughs> We've established this. You have to know who you're going to. Whose advice are you seeking? Now, Melania, I would go to her for some fashion advice, but she was a model, so. But whatever. Well, um, no, so there's credentials behind it. Yes. So there's oh. <laughs> uh, no, you know, know, I think, I think, I think that if you're going on a date. Uh, well, okay, but I think that sometimes people want to add an accessory or add something. Honestly, I think that there is power in new objects as far as costume goes, because I think, um, uh, you know, when you're it going out on, a t- on it would depend on what you're what you're using it for. I would not use a new object for, say, a representation of stability or longevity. Okay, well, possibly, but I'm saying, okay, so in our date example, I mean, going out and. Even as something as simple as, you know, getting a new, better fitting, not faded black t-shirt to wear underneath your the shirt that you're going to wear over it. I mean, just something that sort of says, you know, you put time into thinking about it. Honestly, I find it um, easier to do that with things that I just bought for that occasion. Because mm-hmm. I think that you have fueled it with the energy of that particular occasion. And you've well, never used it Well, the intent is already there. Else. Yeah, the intent... The, the, blah, 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 blah. The intent is already there. Yes. <laughs> you you went out specifically to find it for that thing. Right. Um, and I think, you know, washing it and using it for other things over time, I think it can be a little, little bit harder to stick that intent back in. Um, but <laughs> I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think it, it's all a matter. It's all a matter of upkeep. It well, really, I don't think it really is all a matter. Same. I mean, if the only time that you wear that red dress is when you are going out on a date and you are looking for something. Okay. If that's the only time you wear that dress, I don't care how long it sits in your closet. Every time you pull that dress out, you're going to get the same feeling. Now what something would one be looking for in a red dress, Velma? We're not going to get into that discussion. We'll get into that discussion on Beltane. Stay tuned. (laughs) 
because everybody will get into that discussion on Beltane because that's what we do. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I do think, you know, or if there's a, a, a suit or a tie or an outfit that you always wear when you've got your quarterly meeting or, you know, when it's payday, you always wear a little something that's green. I mean, there, there is something to that. You this know, is I what say. I do every time. And it sort of becomes ritual wear at that point. You know, the, the interesting thing is um, when I used to go out to clubs, I could wear the jeans that made the butt look good. And I could wear the shirt that made it look like I would worked out a little bit more than I had. And I could do my hair and I could do all of that. But there was this one fashion accessory that had sort of come back at the time. And it was that little hip chain thing the guys were wearing. Oh, jeez. I was, remember that. It was that we're not punks, but we're the, you know, the very... I don't know, Armani Exchange version of. We're trying to be hardcore and failing miserably. Well, I realize that, but you know, the very, okay, I'll admit it. The douchey version of punk. Yes. (laughs) The douchey version of punk. But uh, something about the chain being on the hip and just sort of the way it looked and the way it made people sort of look at the whole, the way it changed the entire outfit. And honestly, the way it moved whenever I danced. Um, because people know, you, you knew, and everybody else around you knew what that meant. What did it that mean? Little, that little extra meant, <laughs> I'm trying to look good. I'm trying to have people look at me. Pay attention to me. And it, and the rest of the outfit, you probably could have worn out somewhere else. Well, you... That little extra meant, I'm going to the club, and we all know what, what's going on. <laughs> Wow, you sound exactly like my internal monologue. Am I wrong? Oh, I was 18. What do you want? What do you want from me? I'm not judging. I'm just stating. So, um, but don't wear a hip chain, folks. Don't, don't do that. Well, no. Don't ever do that. I mean, you shouldn't have done it then, but you know, (laughs) that's, that is the whole key to fashion right there. We shouldn't have done that. Have that's done what that. that's what fashion is. At the mo- in the moment, oh my god, that's fabulous. Five years later, we should Don't not do have done should that. Have done that was that. a bad idea. God, you know, yeah. at this point, do you know how long that was? <laughs> that's verging on eight years ago. Oh dear God. Yes. And what's really sad is eight years ago, I was still older than you are now. So really <laughs> Let's not get into that's that. Just, eight years ago is when I was eighteen. That's just crazy. Well, almost. I'll be eighteen in a couple. Uh, eighteen in a couple months. I wish. <laughs> God, I don't. <laughs> I'm so glad you're not eighteen. No, I could. I think Ooh. I could do twenty-two again. I think I could do twenty-two. Please don't. Maybe the body of a twenty-two-year-old. I think I could have my twenty-two-year-old body back. That would be if okay. You had, if you had your twenty-two-year-old body back, I would never be able to listen to you talk. <laughs> Because you would be talking about it all the time. <laughs> oh goodness! No, I, you're, you're no, you're absolutely right. Though I could, I could wear that outfit out to go to lunch with friends. I could wear it out to go to dinner. But you put the little chain on, or the little, the little forearm band with the little white star on the black stitching and stuff that I had. You're only making it worse. The, you are only making it worse. You know, or or the little um, when they wore the bandanas on the wrist. You know that kind of thing. You know, you just add the little pieces of oomph that take a regular outfit and turn it into I am going to go get some hoo-hoo um, yes. at the play play. So. <laughs> okay, I, I know what that means, but I don't know what that means. So, I don't yes. either. But no, that's, that's the whole key to it. I feel like we're Stacey and Clinton. When did this happen? Seriously? When did we do this? 
I'm so glad we did this, though. This is where I've been waiting. I'm for glad the I show don't have that gray to... skunk streak in my hair, though. I'm glad she got rid of that because ew. Yeah, that Sorry. looks weird. And they sort of highlighted that in her was that hair commercial or shoe commercial or whatever she was doing. She's like, it was the shoe commercial. Beautiful hair with my white streak right here. Yeah, I don't get the white, the big Did she white. Do that on purpose? Is, Did she watch X Men? She too much? must have. She must have. I mean, there's I mean, no other gray on the woman's head. How do you have one long gray streak just magically appear? Yeah, no. Yeah. Which really, it, why? It didn't even look good on Bonnie Raitt. So really, let's not do that anymore. It it does look good on Rogue though, which is awesome. X Men say what? Never. Oh, speaking of movies. <laughs> I finally watched Season of the Witch. Oh, dear sweet mother Jesus Christ in heaven in a box. I finally watched the Nicolas Cage movie Season of the Witch last night. Oh, with oh honey. What? Oh, honey, I'm so sorry. No, no. Uh, my main problem with it is that it needed a new title. Because <laughs> it was such a bad movie. And I enjoy a good bad movie. I really do. But this, and this was, was not a good bad movie. This was not a Great. No, this was not a, this was not a good bad movie. But I can enjoy a bad movie if I know going into it that it's a bad movie. Now, I knew going into it from having seen the trailers back when it was actually in theaters and knowing that Nicolas Cage is in it and I hate Nicolas Cage. I knew going into it that it was not going to be a movie I would enjoy. But I would just like to propose a new title because I think this would let people know what this movie is actually all about and prepare them for the awfulness that is about to come up on the screen in front of them. I think that that movie should have been called killer zombie monks and the bad CGI demon ghost from hell. (laughs) That is what I think. And had it had that title, I would have been more aptly prepared and I probably would have enjoyed it a lot more. (laughs) Seriously, the monks died of the plague and then they come back from the dead to kill people have with you, this, have you with seen this weird sort of demon vapor running? It's just. It's, have, have you seen oh Black God. Death yet? No. Don't. I don't know. Is it is it going to be as mind bendingly bad as this one? It's because I have to admit, since I came up with a new title, I have a little bit better feeling about it. I really do. It's basically a newer version of the original Wicker Man. I mean, it's not the same exact story. But they're so similar. No, see, now I think I would enjoy that. Because you have to you have to remember, I like bad movies. It's, oh, dear God. and But I the do. way it ends, it's just, oh, it's just so drawn. Honestly, it could have been like a 20-minute short film, and it might have been better. It was so... Doesn't it have somebody cute in it? I think, but the horribleness of the movie is just that the one? Is that the one with Sean Bean in it? He, he is in that movie, yes. Yeah, he's kind of nice to look at. Uh-huh. In a, in a sort of, I'm a scruffy knight kind of way. Okay. Oh, I went to Medieval Times and saw Scruffy Knights. Oh, yes. I went to Medieval Scruffy Knights are, are much better on the big screen than they are in person. Well, we did have one very sexy night in The Green Knight. The Green Knight okay. was incredibly sexy. What, what, yeah. Anya? Right? Right? Green Knight? Yeah? Uh-huh. Okay, she's probably going, why are you, why are you doing that? I, she's not the only one. <laughs> uh, 
are we done with ritual garb with with magic clothing? It seems it seems as though we are. Yes, and and accessories. Um, if there's a specific, I think we've pretty much beat it into the ground. <laughs> Possibly, if there's a specific situation that you you just can't figure out what in the world to wear, um, tweet me, tweet tweet Velma, tweet us. Yes, uh, we do not tweet together though. No, there is no. No. There are some things that we will not do together. There are and no that's co- one of them. We, we will never co-tweet. No. No. Um, you can tweet me uh, at Inciting a Riot. That's twitter.com slash Inciting a Riot. Yep. And I am at witchesbrouhaha. Yes. So um, if, you're, if you are looking for just a quick, hey, I have this situation, what, do you, what are some quick ideas? Uh, because, I, you know, an email might get lost or it might not get answered immediately. And sometimes you just need that quick response. And um uh, Twitter is a better way to get that. But I'm just going to say, don't be surprised if the response from me is, well, what about that speaks to you? Or what do you think is the most important thing about said situation? Because I don't think, I mean, yes, and you, don't can dress, be surprised you can dress somebody. If I ask you can you make if somebody it makes look good. And but that may not very well be yeah. the intent that they're going for. Yeah, don't, don't be surprised if I say, well, does it make your butt look good? Because that might be the more important aspect, which is where we might differ here. Aspect. You're funny. <laughs> Thank you. But I'm bummed. Uh, we have more email if we want to do some of that. We do? Yes. Well, we don't have anything else to talk about. Oh, sweet God. We've got, we have, well, we haven't cleaned out the inbox. <laughs> no, we haven't. Although I did finally clean out the spam the other day, which makes me very sad because apparently we won like 60 million pounds in the British lottery. God damn it. Ugh. I know. Oh, man. Did we miss it? We did. Oh, hell. Yeah, I know. You know, I missed like a bajillion, some sort of symbol that I didn't know, which I'm assuming translates to $20 um, from like South Africa the other day. And I I had missed the deadline. Yeah. Well, South Africa, I know we're not supposed to, we're not supposed to believe that money comes from South Africa, but I, I, the British lottery, now that was a new one on me. But Charlize Theron comes from South Africa. Well, Yes. She is technically African-American. Yes, I know. Uh, Nightwing wrote in. Um, Thank you, Nightwing, for writing in. Thank you for uh, taking time from fighting crime in Gotham City. Uh, (laughs) No, that's that's not... No, that's not Knight Rider. Not Nightwing. That is Nightwing. Batman was never called Nightwing. No, Batman never was. But the original Robin went on to become Nightwing. Oh, see, I am not that big a geek. I am a huge comic nerd. I know Broadway. I do not know graphic novels. There's also Red Robin, which one of the Robins went on. He was the bad Robin for a while. Okay. Nightwing wrote in. I have been an armchair pagan for about five years and have now just started practicing this year. It would have been sooner, but because of my living conditions, and can I tell you, I don't know where my mind was, but the first time I read this email, I read living condoms. I don't know why. (laughs) Gee, I wonder where your mind was. Moving on. Uh, It wasn't possible to do the stuff. As I've studied, I've found something that has really bothered me about Wicca or just paganism, period. For a religion that's supposed to be about equality, why is it that most books have a paragraph on the god and an entire chapter on the goddess? Now, don't get me wrong. I love the goddess to death, but please don't say those kinds of things about the goddess. Bad. Can't love her to death. Maybe you can love her to... You can love her until you die. Love her to afterlife. Um, but as a pagan male, I think it's important for me to, uh, know about the God too. It's just not practical for me to do something like a spell to get over the pain of losing a girlfriend and go to mommy, the goddess, because dad's the God been on a business trip since I was a baby. And I know nothing about him for somebody that likes metaphors. That was, that's a, 
convoluted one for me. Um, if you don't talk about this in any of your shows, please at least go into detail about him in your book. I remember hearing about the aspects of Sun, King, and Sage, and then after searching the internet, I found nothing and was extremely frustrated. Um, first of all, uh, if you are looking for that whole series of the different aspects of the god, as far as Wicca is concerned, um, Mojo over at the Wiggly and Way has an ongoing series about uh, the male mysteries. Um, mm-hmm. And I think he's completed it, or, or he might be completing it. I know they, they recorded their show last night. Uh, you may have to go through some of their back show notes. They didn't do them one after another. Uh, but he's done episodes on those. I'm sure if you emailed him, I think it's wiggleyandway at gmail.com, uh, and said, hey, what, what shows did you do your male mysteries in? Uh, they, they are actually very good. Uh, and he really knows what he's talking about as far as um, the different aspects of the god as it is concerned with Wicca specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, they, they do great things there. Well, also, and the thing to keep in mind too about Wicca specifically, now paganism is a kind of a different kettle of fish, but with Wicca specifically, if you go back to the actual beginnings of Wicca and the Gardnerian tradition and, you know, where all of this started, it is actually pretty good at being straight down the line, equality, God and goddess. Yeah. What you have to keep in mind is what happened is in the sixties and seventies, there was this huge thing called the feminist movement. And a lot of people jumped on the bandwagon of, Oh, this is a religion that we can emphasize the female divine and de-emphasize the male divine to suit our own purposes and to make us feel more important as women. And uh, most of the author's, who are writing today, not all of them, but most of them were very influenced by the books that came out during that time and by the, the ideologies that, that sort of were springboarded in the, in the late sixties and in the seventies. And that has kind of twisted the modern interpretation of what Wicca is. But if you go back to its roots, I mean, a Gardnerian coven is typically an equal number, I believe, a tip, a, typically an equal number of men and women. If you are a woman, you have to be initiated by a man. If you are a man, you have to be initiated by a woman. I mean, there is definitely this line of equality that sort of gets thrown out the window if you go into the more eclectic branches of Wicca. Absolutely. And I will just tell you from a sociological perspective, what we know in history, uh, you can think about this um, on a much uh, more microcosmic scale um, with things like political elections. Uh, What do we know as far as public knowledge? What is sort of the common wisdom? Um, Well, after a Republican is in office, especially the presidency, uh, people generally disagree with what uh, he's done. Um, You know, so they start thinking, well, then a Democrat must be the way to go. So the next time the it, it is uh, a little bit more statistically in favor of a Democrat being elected and then vice versa, which is how you sort of have eight years of a Republican and then eight years of a Democrat, and then eight years of a Republican and then eight years of a Democrat. And it sort of swings back and forth. Um, it, again, just a quick example uh, on a microcosmic scale. But if you look at cultures as a whole, uh, in the past, um, you know, if you go over decades or centuries, uh, when a culture becomes exceptionally conservative, then all of a sudden, yeah, you get something like, uh, you know, you, you always think of the 50s as being um, a really sort of uptight, sort of buttoned down, um, you know, the mom had to have high heels and pearls on and was there to serve the man. And then you get the 60s and 70s, which was, whoo, 
whoosh, all about the woman just rip burning the bra and, uh, you know, feminism, feminism, feminism. And so cultures have this wild swing back and forth. And right now we're sort of in, in a backswing in a, in a pendulum, uh, swing somewhere in the middle, um, where, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out how to find a happy medium in this country. But, um, but what we know, uh, from historical sociology is that it, it, you don't ever go, uh, to the middle. You're always swinging back and forth in some way. And when it comes to religions like this, uh, we all grew up very in, in a very patriarchal religion, in a very male-centered religion with God the Father. Not God the Mother, but God the Father and his son. And, you know, there's really no women involved, and they very much, uh, in the last several centuries, downplayed the idea of Sophia, who was supposed to be God's wife. Um, who was at one point sort of thought of as equal to him, if not possibly greater than him. And you'll notice that um, in Bibles these days, they actually still capitalize the word wisdom uh, when they're talking about her, because that that's sort of a, a leftover vestige of, of times gone by. But um, uh, again, it's, it's that very patriarchal thing that happened in the last several hundred years. Uh, it wasn't always ex- existent in Christianity, and it definitely wasn't existed in ancient uh, Judaism. But... Um, but for a people that for so long were told, oh, no, it's God the Father, and it's a man, 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 and it put men into power, we are experiencing the ability to have the opportunity to worship a goddess. And so people tend to sit, want to focus just on her because it's like, well, we had the god. Well, and the other thing to consider is the vast majority, not nearly all, but well over 50% of the people who are involved in Wicca specifically are women. And a lot of the people, a lot of those women have been drawn to Wicca because of their disgust with male dominance in typical Judeo-Christian religions. So there is sort of, I mean, just within individual people, there's sort of this pendulum swing the other way of, oh, well, all my life growing up, all I ever heard about was God, 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 Jesus, 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 man, 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 man. And now I'm free to make my own decision. And there's this whole other world out here. So I'm going to go all the way in the opposite direction and be all about women and goddess, 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 woman, woman, woman. And a lot of those people don't ever go back the other way because they have negative negative associations and negative memories of that experience. Right. Also, more than 50% of the people writing books on Wicca are women. Well, oh, over 50, yeah. Well over 50%. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you have to consider that those people who have had that vast pendulum swing or who were involved in the feminist movement, you know, when it was going on in in the 60s and 70s those are the people that we're getting our information from so there is information out there but it is hard to find and i don't think that that's fair and i don't think that it's good but it is a fact and there are some resources but not a whole lot um i one that i can think of off the top of my head kayla trobe wrote a book called invoke the gods she also wrote a book called invoking the goddess or invoke the goddess that is a book all about masculine deities and rituals to them and you know how to get in touch with various male deities and then there's a companion book that's all the all female deities um i will say i i i I do relate uh to nightwing um here a little bit because uh i i you know obviously i come i grew up in a christian household and i i did the whole you know christian thing for quite some time 
And then I came to paganism, and it's very easy to want to focus on the goddess. It just sort of seems like a very natural group mind to sort of, oh, oh, you know, by the goddess, or, you know, oh, my goddess, or whatever, you know. I don't think I have ever said that in my entire life. I'm sorry. I I, have have sort of found, and I think I was forcing myself to say it for a little while just to fit in with some groups of friends. Or, oh, my gods. Yeah, I'll say, oh, my gods sometimes. I don't say that. I think I say it sometimes. I, I, I will say it um, when I'm typing things. When I say OMG, I say OMGS. <laughs> I have occasionally typed it that way, but I don't think that that has ever actually come out of my mouth until I just said it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I don't think I've ever uh, said but that. But I, I will say over, uh, over a number of years of uh, reading books and, and being in the community, I did start wanting to seek out things like uh, Dorothy Morrison's Sun Magic and just things that sort of That's got me... Book got me back in touch with solar data. See, I can, I can talk books too. Uh-huh. I, I never uh-huh. said you couldn't talk books, I can talk books. Ooh, you want to talk books? Um, okay. Seriously. Your head was just moving <laughs> like a parakeet back and forth, up and down, back and forth, up and down. Yeah. Just like, just like a parakeet. So glad this is not a video show. One day, Someday it will be <laughs> one day. You're going to, you're just going to surprise me with it and I'm going to yep. be sad. Yep. And it's going to be funny because I'm going to have it pointing at you and not at me. Oh, man. Oh, man. Um, (laughs) No, but, you know, I was looking, you know, I went in search of pagan written books about the god, about the, about male deity. Um, And again, I will say I very much appreciated uh, Mojo's take on it. Um, It is, it is a Wiccan take, so it it might not fit for general paganism, but it is definitely a place to start. Dorothy Morrison's Sun Magic is a great place to start. Um, Yeah, that's a good one. Well, and something else to consider too, the aspects are let's face it, all about the goddess because they're all about the moon and the moon is associated with the goddess, not so much the God, but what is moonlight? Moonlight is reflected sunlight. So there is a different way of, you know, there's a different perspective that you can put on that to emphasize a little bit more of the solar or masculine energy. Also the, the Sabbaths, the story of the seasons is very much the story of the cycle of the god. Right. There's I mean, eight, there, there, there are is, eight holidays, but they're called you know eight solar holidays. They right. Are, exactly. They are it's, about the sun, and it is right. sort of. And we do tend to emphasize the goddess, or at least a lot of people tend to emphasize the goddess, even on the Sabbaths. Right. Which because it is sort of the story of the two holidays. of them. Right. But it's his journey. Right. She is, is just sort of, of the, the companion God. during the journey. Right. And I think that gets de-emphasized a lot. And I think that's too bad. Well, and again, I think that it is just a, we're so tired of hearing about, Oh my God and God and blah, 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 blah. God, 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 God. Um, I don't know. In my head, I just automatically translate God to the divine period. It just, I sort if, of I, do- if I read a book and it's, it starts talking about God, I just, it's like an instant translation in my head and it doesn't bother me. And some people are just very, very hung up on that word. Now, I think that, um, because we've had discussions about what I think the divine is and, and all of that. And I, you know, I'm not exactly sure that it's a guy and a girl somewhere sitting up in the clouds. Um, but I, I think that possibly the energy that you're tapping into that, that bit of divinity that you're tapping into whenever you're talking about the goddess, um, it can be a more gentle kind of energy. It can be more of a motherly kind of energy. And I think people, 
sort of like that feeling because the God can be a little bit more wild or a little bit more strict or a little bit more fatherly in that, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of father knows best kind of scenario. And sometimes you're looking for mom to sit there and just give you a hug and tell you it's going to be all better. Um, now the, the goddess can definitely be, you know, the, the, the wild she lion who can, who protects the cub and, you know, she can very easily be, you know, the warrior queen. She can very easily be a, a goddess of death and destruction. But for the most part, that's not typically how we see her. We almost see her as this Mary figure with the robes and the pretty, you know, the pretty hair right. and just the and very... We don't, picture, we don't generally picture the god as, you know, the daddy with the three-year-old up on his shoulders right. at the zoo. You we, know? we picture but... the dad as the guy with the spear coming out of the woods with a boar's right. head and all of that kind of thing. Right. And we picture the goddess sitting at home making candles. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, ma- making making new baby stars. Right. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so, no, I definitely relate to that. And I, I think it, um, it it is difficult in, in the modern pagan community uh, for men to sort of reconnect with the divine masculine. And also, I think that it can be because the community in and of itself, whenever you say that you are looking to reconnect with the divine or reconnect with uh, the God, sort of says, well, what about the goddess? Well, yes. but the reason I am... The reason I'm doing that is because I'm surrounded by the goddess. So I'm just looking for some connection with the god. Well, if you wanted that, go back to Christianity. You know, and I, right. I think well, that there is the a sense there of is, that. There is definitely this attitude of any male god. I mean, if you say the word god, what you're referring to is Christianity. Right. You're There's definitely Yahweh. a disconnect. And I think it's because so many people leave Christianity and they have negative associations with it that they absolutely cannot get beyond. And I think that's really too bad. But I do think that that is definitely the truth. Absolutely. And I I think it's sad and it's something that I've talked about and you've talked about. And I think everybody has touched on at some point. And I honestly, though, I don't think it's going to change anytime soon because we are sort of in that societal swing, at least in the pagan community of, of really enjoying the divine feminine and sort of uh, trying to find a, a, the, the way to swing back on the pendulum. Um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, another one. Zellen said that I need to go see the Muppet Show. I have yet yes. to see it. Yes, you do. Thanks, Zellen. Can That's I tell you that. how many emails we've gotten since episode nineteen about how, how everybody thinks that you're so right about the stupid Best Buy commercials? Thank you. I would just like a general. Just go ahead. Generally speak to your fans here. Just go ahead. We, we no, won't address all of them because remember. there are a lot of these emails. Just go ahead. I don't. No, I don't remember where Close. it was that I saw this, but there was some internet news somebody, or maybe it was like you know CNN or something. I, I don't remember where it was because it was a long time ago. But there was some poll about how the Christmas ads had gotten meaner this year. And there was a poll of, you know, which of these ads should be pulled from the air because they are completely outside the spirit of Christmas. The Best Buy commercial that I ranted about was number one. It had like 65% of the votes was that that ad should totally go off the air. And I will, I will be perfectly honest with you. I have not shopped at Best Buy since. I haven't. Can I tell you, so, uh, speaking of ads, we just had the Super Bowl. That's how. That's how. Which long I did it's not been. watch. Oh, I didn't either. Um, I, I didn't even watch either. the ads. Nope. But um, the uh, parents' television counts. Parents, I don't know. Parents for keeping your kid locked in a cage are um, all massively up in arms 
because Madonna did the halftime show with two artists uh, named Nicki Minaj and M.I.A. Now, M.I.A. is famous because of a movie called Pineapple Express, which is all about um, getting weed. And uh, her song was sort of the theme song. Uh, Paper Planes, I think, was the name of it. The one you don't like? Paper Planes? Is that the new Madonna song that you don't like? Oh, no, 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 no. M.I.A.'s song was Paper Plates. Oh, This okay. is how she got famous. I'm explaining who M.I.A. is because she oh, okay. is sort of at the heart of the story. Um, M.I.A. was joining her. She was featured on the new Madonna song. So she and Nicki Minaj, who was also featured on the new Madonna song, were in it. Now, again, M.I.A. is famous for doing songs about uh, theft and and uh, gang life and uh, As are a lot of people. stealing and, and weed and doing drugs and all of this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And she's on the halftime show in front of 117 million people. Mm-hmm. And she flipped off the camera mm-hmm. uh, during part of it. And the parents, television council or whatever it is, lost their minds saying that yeah. she should be severely punished. And the NFL and NBC are like scrambling to, oh, you know, please, please, please don't sue us and all, all this kind of thing. Because she flipped off the camera. Mm-hmm. In that same show, if you look at any of the commercials, you see several bikini-clad Victoria's Secret models. You see, I don't know how many commercials for beer and, uh, you know, all sorts of other things. And where where's the Parents Television Council for those? I mean, how are those kid-friendly? And yet, she flips off the camera one time. It took about two seconds. And that is the bad thing. Yes. That is the bad thing. Bad, yes. bad, MIA, bad. Okay, you are trying to justify the rant of an uber conservative, completely irrational group of people. I just don't understand. I, I would just like that group of people to please establish what they mean by family or kid friendly because the definition of what it means changes. What they mean constantly. is what they don't like. Yes, exactly. Because they decide what it is that they don't like, and then they go after that, and they ignore everything else. I mean... That's the way that kind of mentality works. I just... Is they see one thing, and they decide, that's what we're going to pick on. That's the thing that we think we can kick up the most stink about, and we're going to go after it. That's how it works. Have you not seen this for the last 15 years going on? Probably a lot longer than that, but I only remember 15 years of it. Well, 15 years ago, I was 11, so. You just have to keep bringing that up, don't you? (laughs) You just have to. Oh, goodness. Uh, Donald wrote in. Donald says, Dear Firelight and Velma, with the order of the names in which they should be. Thank you, Donald. Uh, just to start, which means since I've mentioned this twice, are you going to find me for flipping <laughs> off the camera? Which means since I've mentioned it twice now, every email we get about this show is going to have Velma and <laughs> Just to start this email with, I love the show in big capital letters. I love the show! Exclamation mark. Yay. We love the show too. Sometimes. Sometimes. 
Not always. I listen to it every chance I get because they're like two hours long and it takes me time to listen to them. I love the interesting and insightful take, uh, talks that you both take part in. However, being a longish time pagan and also being one that loves to divulge into uh, philosophy and other religions, I keep stumbling across the somewhat divide between organized religion and science. This leads to the question I would be more grateful if you could answer. Can science and paganism work hand in hand? Thanks so much for taking the time to read this email. Your Scottish fan, Donald. Ooh, Scottish. Scottish. There you go, I like, Velma. I, lo- I like Scottish accents. Hey, Donald, you should uh, you should Skype with some Velma. You should. Uh, I don't. No, I don't. I don't Skype with anybody. Send in pictures. Good. Send in pictures. Possibly. Oh, stop. Possibly just, in a possibly because, in a kilt. Just because I like the accent doesn't mean kilt? I'm just are, gonna. Are you a drool? sexy Scottish some man people... with a sexy Scottish brogue? I like Scottish Rogue. Yes, I enjoy listening to it. I think it's sexy. Then send in pictures and tweet Velma. Why Lots. do I need to know what anybody looks like to listen to their voice? You know, it's the voice that's Maybe sexy. he's a sexy Scottish man. Maybe, maybe I'm he trying is, to get you hooked I, up just, in time for Valentine's Day. Maybe. How do, oh, Jesus. www.datevelma.com. I'm going to register I'm sorry. that URL. What? Datevelma.com. Yeah, there is no such thing. And if there is, it is not referring to me. There will be. There may be a there may be a date Velma.com, but it has nothing to do with me, I guarantee you. On GoDaddy right now. (laughs) Why are you being like this? Oh, you said that you were gonna be the one that was all snarky. Uh, Yeah. Apparently I was wrong. You were wrong. Apparently. Um, can science and paganism work hand in hand? Well, I did do a show on that. Um, Yes. And I wonder to myself, is that why you read that email so you can plug your show? <laughs> no, you uh, but I do think it's interesting. I mean, maybe he hadn't listened to it and that's fine. Uh, but I, I just think it's an interesting uh, thing since he asked us for us to give our take on it. Uh, do you well, think I haven't, li- I, haven't li- I have not listened to your show. Which so is why I'm you can to- give an unbiased take on it. Yes, do you think exactly. that science and paganism can go hand in hand? Yes, I think they can. But I think you have to be open-minded on both fronts. I think you you have to be willing to accept a scientific explanation for something that you had previously thought was mystical. And I also think that you have to be willing to sort of give science some wiggle room mm-hmm. and say, well, okay, maybe this is, you know, physically what happened, or maybe this is a scientific explanation for it, but maybe there is more to it than just, you know, these chemicals combined to create this rock. Maybe maybe there is something else in the process that science can't explain. Um, I do think that it's it's wonderful to have an appreciation and an understanding of both. And I think that it will give you a very unique perspective on, you know, the way you look at your craft and the way that you look at not only spirituality, but also magic specifically. But I also think that it, you're going to have a really hard time talking to a lot of other people in the pagan community because there are not a lot of people within the pagan community that are very open-minded about, you know, oh, well, no, really, this is the scientific explanation of why this happened. This is not, this is not a magical phenomenon. This is why this happened. There are a lot of people who just absolutely will not listen to anything you have to say. But I, I mean, I think they can, I, I think they can work very well together. Well, I think that uh, something that needs to be remembered is that uh, science is the study of the natural world. Um, mm-hmm. We worship nature. Right. Exactly. Why can't they go hand? I mean, I just, it, why can't they go hand in hand? 
Yeah. Um, just well, and I think the reason that they don't is because so many people on both sides of that fence won't let them. Well, I think that people somehow have gotten the word supernatural mixed in with ideas of paganism and magic and, and worship and the divine and all of that. Um, and forget that we are a nature-based religion, that we are a nature-based group of people. And it's not supernatural. Supernatural, the word means above nature. Super means above. And it's not above nature. It's not something that's extra natural. It's not outside of nature. It is nature, or at least that has been my understanding of paganism these many long years. But I do think there can be other things that science cannot currently explain that happen. Correct. But I also think that we need to be open for times when science does explain those things and still acknowledge that that is all part and parcel of the natural world. Um, yes. And and an acknowledgement that that is still something that we can worship. It just means a new thing now, or it's because of a new thing now. Um, you know, why do the seasons change? Well, we know they don't change now because of, you know, uh, Demeter being pissed off at Hades and, and, and Zeus all at the same time and keeping Persephone up on the top of the world for six months of the year and letting her go down to Hades for the other six months. Well, okay. Unless it did, and it's just been going on for so long that we've forgotten that. Well, but what I was about I mean, to say is that we, we know why seasons change now scientifically. It doesn't mean that you can't also have the myth as part of it. It doesn't mean that you can't have that as the story of, of why, but also acknowledge the scientific basis of it. Well, and how many myths or how many star- stories basically start with in the beginning? Right. This is how all of this got started. And it may, you know, keep going because that's the way the world is and that's how science, you know, that, that's the scientific explanation. But I wasn't here when the universe was created. I don't know that, you know, it doesn't have to do with Demeter and Persephone and pomegranates and all the rest of it. I don't know. And if I want to believe that, that's fine. Now we know that currently that's what happens. Um, I, you know, the... Uh... The interesting thing is that um, <laughs> I immediately forgot where I was you going. You completely lost. I saw that train <laughs> leave the station, and it was gone. <laughs> that was amazing. I've never <laughs> seen anybody, like, literally the thought just poof, and I saw it float away. It was great. It run was my awesome. I should not be reading Twitter and trying to. No, you shouldn't. No, you should not. You are not that good a multitasker. Oh, it was about creation myths. Oh, hell. I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> but no, I think I think that it it is important not to negate the scientific explanation for things that have been previously thought of as magical. But I also think that not everything can be explained scientifically. Okay. Um, again, I just think that, like you said, you need to be open to possibilities uh, both uh, in in both ways. Um, you know, and it, you need to be prepared for people to disagree with you because they will in both camps. People absolutely. will disagree oh, with you. I got it back. It came back. Um, it's like, uh, okay, the theory of evolution sort of, it, it's not quite a law, but it is sort of uh, considered to be the way things have happened. Um, that, uh, you know, we went from a single celled organism all the way up to the dominant species on the face of the planet. Thank you. X-Men monologue. That's two X-Men references in one show. (laughs) That's what we need. (laughs) Three and I get superpowers. Um, yeah, right. (laughs) Um, but no, uh, a lot. So it's 
created a lot of, of rift in the Christian community. Um, do we continue to promote creationism in the face of massive amounts of science? Or do we try and figure out a way around that? Um, and what a lot of people are saying is, well, maybe God created evolution. Yes. God created the system for it to happen and then allowed it to happen. Sort of like we have free-ish will. You know, mm-hmm. God knows where it's going to go, but you have the choice of how to get there or something like that. Right. Um, you know, you have to go to the grocery store, but you can take three different routes to get there, but you still have to end up at the grocery store. So, I mean, you know, it's he may have created the the method by which evolution could happen and thus God still created everything. You know, it's it's sort of the marriage of that. It's kind of God is the stage director of the play. Right. They set the scene, they put the characters out there, and then they have to do their own thing. Um, I agree. And uh, again, it's it doesn't mean if you look at it in that light, it doesn't mean that you have to uh distinguish the natural from the spiritual. It means that you can find a way to marry it. And yes, I think that trying to say that creationism and evolution are, oh my God, they're so the same thing. I think that's trying to to fit a square into a circle and possibly just say, hey, this is probably how this happened. <laughs> I think that's a way of saying, I think we might have been wrong. <laughs> But we will never admit that we might have been wrong. And, so and, we're just going. We're just going to figure out a way to make this other answer that's totally different be our answer all at the same time. Well, I mean, exactly. I mean, creationism states that that God created man fully, completely formed, and yes, the, the evolutionary take would be God did not create him fully and completely formed. So if you're going to rewrite the Bible, I mean, it's, it's, are you yes. taking it as biblical literalism? Well, and then you, you have these questions of, okay, well, how long is a day for God? And you know, the universe was created in seven days. Well, how long is a day? Is a day a hundred million years? Because, okay, yeah, then maybe. Well, elsewhere in the Bible, I mean, it says that a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. So I think people take that as, uh, which is sort of where I think you get some of these, even we've though been it here took 6, more than years thing. It took more than 7,000 years for the universe to just spring into being. I'm sorry. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. I made another one in a cauldron yesterday. No, you didn't. I so you're did. A, you're a liar. The ghost fairies helped me. Liar. <laughs> I got the finger point. I'm waiting on the rhyming. The evil, the evil finger point. The evil, evil finger. Blah blah blah. <laughs> See, I curse you with inability to speak. You stupid. Still there. Stupefied me. Ha! You've stupefied me. You know what? You know what? I've got it right here, baby. Yes, but I'm not afraid of your voodoo, voodoo doll. doll. You're afraid of my finger, so I win. And I'm not gonna poke myself this time. <laughs> I threatened her with a voodoo doll, and I showed her that I was gonna poke it, and I. You poked yourself. You poked right through it. Nothing happened to me. And yet, all of a sudden, you go, ow, that hurt. Because you stuck it all the way through. I love it. Oh, man. (gasps) Witches, have you been entertained? (laughs) I hope so. I hope to God so. You know what? We've been... I don't know that we have rambled too terribly much. The whole show's been rambling. No, we we, we had emails. There were were mails that were eed. I'm sorry. Yes, I, I apologize for that. <laughs> I don't know how to react to that. Oh, <laughs> uh, Julia, I would like to round out the, the show with an email from Julia. Okay. Dear Thelma and Firelight. Oh, God. 
Velma. Just had to get that out there. Dear Thelma and Firelight, first I want to tell you that I enjoy your podcasts, both the joint and individual ones. Oh, good, because episode 67 of Inciting a Riot is out right now. Um, oh, by the way, to the, to the, I, I realize that this sounds super pluggy, but um, uh, about the science show, it's it, just in case you want to listen to it, it is episode 60 of my show. I had four scientists on to talk about the marriage of science and paganism. So if you want to listen to that, you can. Someday I'm going to figure out how to unplug you. <laughs> I was listening to some of your older shows, and I have questions, comments on two of those. In listening to your discussion of love spells, whoa, that's some retro eob, haha. That is some that's retro. That's a long time ago. Yep. I was surprised that you didn't talk about the free will of the intended target. I'm not a fan of spells that would change how someone feels because that, that would be manipulating with the person's free will. Moral reasons aside, I don't think it will work in the long run. If someone isn't attracted to you or doesn't feel that way about you by using witchcraft, you're messing with their free will. You are manipulating them. And I believe that everyone hates to be manipulated. Uh, I believe your target would quickly develop. Uh, sorry to do this, but yada, yada, yada. Um, however, I don't see anything wrong with doing spells to make yourself more attractive, to draw love to you, or even to make someone see you, uh, see you with good qualities or what is in your soul. Though this can be dangerous because some of us aren't that nice and you intended, your intended may be repelled by what you really are. Yeah, okay. I don't know about this whole what is in your soul thing. But um, as far as free will and all of that, personally, I don't think that you are going to do a spell that is going to uh, alter the way things might have happened anyways. Um, I do not think that you're going to do a spell to make a 150 degree day happen in the South Pole in the middle of Antarctica. Um I also don't think that you're going to do a spell to make somebody love you that would not have already had some feelings uh, in that direction. I think that maybe you can help those things along. I think that's what magic does is help things along. Um, but I don't think that you can literally just craft style, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to make someone love you. Go ahead, Velma. Thelma. Okay. So here's my problem with this. I agree with you that I don't think you can create something out of absolutely nothing. But let's say that every time you see this person, you smile and you bat your eyes and you say nice things and you tell them that you look nice nice. and you dress up and you wear, you know, special perfume. Isn't that manipulation? Isn't that, in, even without magic being involved in the slightest, isn't that already a manipulation well, to try to get that person's attention? According to Julia's email, that's completely okay. You can make yourself look more attractive, but you can't affect their free will. Which Okay, but isn't that an attempt to it to change their free will? Isn't that an attempt to make to make them go, to, to, no, you know, I, I, no, I really... I really like that short skirt that you wear all the time. And that's really, you know, I never would have looked at you before, but you know, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, love is all manipulation. It's got that, you know, as, as far as attracting it and trying to find it and the whole, you that know, that should be an unvalentine's day t-shirt. <laughs> love is all manipulation. Velvet shade. No, I think you can get beyond that, but I think at the beginning, for the most part, it is, you are you're attempting to create the circumstances 
under which love can happen. Maybe love is not manipulation, but the attraction process is all about manipulation. I mean, why do male peacocks have, you know, the gorgeous feathers? Why do it is to attract the females, right? Yes. That I mean, that is the process. That is the mating process. There's the mating dance and the flashy colors and the all, you know, it is all a manipulation to get to that point. And I don't know that I think that casting a spell on somebody specific is really all that different from doing all the rest of that stuff. Which draws us back to the original topic of dressing to affect a change. Oh my God, we did it. Sort of. Sort of. We did it. We got there again. We did get there again, yes. We did get there again. That was sort of a figure eight discussion, but okay. <laughs> but no, I mean, think about it. It's it's all it's all the same thing. But, I, okay, are you affecting your are you affecting somebody's free will or are you highlighting an opportunity that they would that that was already in front of them? I think to a large degree. I mean, I don't think that you're, I think they're still making the choice to look at you. They're still making the choice to pursue you. You're just making yourself a more attractive object of pursuit. Right. But I think even if you cast a spell on a specific person, that is still the outcome. (sighs) I, 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 I don't think you can affect somebody's free will in that, in that way. I think by attract, by, by sending that energy to that person specifically, to get their attention, uh-huh. you are in effect doing all the other stuff. You're just saying, that's the only person that I want to notice. That's the only person that I want to pay attention to this. Which, to me, is kind of shooting yourself in the foot because they may not be the right person, but there may be somebody else that is. So why are you going to put all of your focus on somebody who may or may not actually be the right one? Why right. not make it more general so that, you know, just because you think, oh, yeah, person A is the best person... Well, person Q might actually be the right person, but they're missing out if you cast a spell in person A. Whereas if it's general attractiveness, notice me, I'm gorgeous, I'm fabulous, then person A through Q may notice. And Q may actually go, hey, you know what? You are fabulous. Let's let's do something. Well, as person X, I feel very left out. I'm very sorry. <laughs> I, again, I don't think, though, that we're talking about affecting somebody's free will. I mean, getting into their head and, pl- and totally, like, Inception-style planting an idea no. into their head that wasn't already there. I no. think men like pretty girls mm-hmm. or pretty guys. And I think that dressing up makes yourself, you know, the better prey. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're the pretty flower that the bee wants to come pollinate. Yes. You are the peacock with the brightest feathers. You are the peacock with the brightest feathers. So, um, I again, I don't think that any amount of magic is that's going actually, to affect- That's actually a very good analogy. You are the peacock with the brightest feathers, and you want all the other peacocks to notice, not just one peacock. Oh, absolutely. Because when you're going out, you're going out, you're making, I mean, even if you're not interested in girls or you're not interested in guys, you're making sure both the girls and the guys know that you're the best one there. You don't only show your feathers no. to one person. No, you're showing your feathers to everyone. But no, yep. okay, but just to answer the specific question, can a love spell affect free will? In my opinion, no. I don't think so either. Okay. Uh, on another podcast, you discussed speaking out loud versus mentally saying spells. Both of you firmly supported speaking aloud. I was surprised. Have neither of you had any success in casting on the inner planes during meditation? Okay. Do you have your email up? Because I'm not going to be able to 
I don't. I don't. You're going to have to read it. I have found when I go to my inner sacred space that I've set up, I have I have had spells work almost immediately. Well, within hours, it works best for certain spells, such as visualization and manifestation. When doing spells where I need to do something other than focus, I prefer to do them on the physical. So my next question is, do you do some special spellcraft that makes these more powerful, or you just don't use inner sacred space? Go ahead. Sometimes I do go to a happy place. And sometimes I do spells silently in my head. And sometimes they work. And sometimes they don't. And sometimes I speak spells and sometimes they work. And sometimes they don't. That's just sort of the nature of spell casting. <laughs> Aim the one. That could have been that could have gone a whole lot of different directions. You come over and stick a wand in your mouth. Well, of, I don't know. Instead of the gun, I'm aiming the wand. <laughs> Shoot my brains out. Okay. I'm sorry, Julia. I think that the whole I I do spells on the astral plane thing is I just I find the whole concept silly. Do I do meditation? Yes. Do I feel that I can connect with an inner, deeper part of myself that might possibly be an aspect of the divine there? Yes. Do I go to some magic, floaty, cloudy place and do spells that manifest things in the real world and talk to Harry Potter? I think you're an astralist. I may be. (laughs) I totally think you're an astralist. I think that you go to your inner happy meditative place but the second it gets labeled as the astral plane you roll your eyes and you go oh my god a little bit that's what i think a little bit a little bit so let's get over the word a little bit let's get over the the expression astral plane let's let's move on from that okay do i do i do spells and meditation okay uh meditation thinking deeply on something um if that's where we're going in meditation if we are doing that inner quietude kind of thing i think that's sort of necessary to cast spells i think that at least having the focus um purely on your goal i think that that is absolutely necessary in in the success of any spellcraft see and i think focus and meditation are two different things they're very similar and they're interconnected but they're not the same thing if which i'm is meditating why I'm saying, which is why i'm saying if we're talking about the the kind of meditation that i would do which is going in and focusing on on a something on on a goal on a uh, just on a connection i'm i'm internally focusing on something and being open to uh, a response from the divine being open to a mm-hmm. response from whatever. If, if it's that, then yes. If it's, I leave my body and go to the inner planes. No, I don't do that. I, I don't, I don't do that. It is so funny. Every, every little nerve and little tendon in your entire body just goes and tenses up the second you mention the words astral plane. It is amazing to watch. At Supermoot, I'm going to have to, like, every once in a while, if there's a crowd of people, I'm just going to go, astral plane! And everybody can watch as the whole body just constricts. It's amazing. It's fabulous. This pagan obsession, this pagany new agey obsession with the astral plane is just, it just, it, it, as Mrs. Oddly would say, it raises the hackles. I think there's two different questions here. One of them is, do you cast spells in meditation? And one of them is, do you cast spells silently? And they're, they're two different things. Because just because you say a spell in your head to yourself quietly, you know, that doesn't mean that you're meditating necessarily. 
And just because you're meditating doesn't mean you're casting spells. I mean, I meditate a lot just on quiet. Okay, can somebody explain to me? Because when I hear the words manifestation, Mm -hmm. I immediately think of like, you know the charmed episode where somebody had, you know, their, their one power was manifestation and he made like the apple appear out of thin air. So can somebody, can you explain to me manifestation in a way that is not that? No, I can't. So okay, I could, is that Um, what manifestation is, is making things just appear? Well, no, I think manifestation is making things appear, but I don't mean in a puff of smoke, all of a sudden there's an object there that wasn't there before. I think manifestation can take many forms as in, I need to manifest some money and you get a check in the mail that you weren't expecting. Okay. Or so that is a, manifestation. You find, or you it is, find it is, a dollar on the ground. It's drawing things to you. You have, well, yes. I mean that theoretically to me, that, that makes sense. That okay. would be manifesting something that was not there before okay. you are, you are making something appear that was not there before, but it's not instantaneous flash of, you know, smoke kind of thing. Um, I, I think anybody who tells you, oh, yes, every time I cast a spell in my head, it works, is full of shit. I think every time, and anybody who says every time I cast a spell, period, it works, is full of crap. Everybody has spells that don't work. And I think regardless of whether or not you say it in your head silently or whether you have a full-blown, elaborate, hour-and-a-half-long ritual with chanting and bells and nudity and whatever... I, Nothing works all the time for everything. Sometimes the spells that I've said in my head work just fine. Sometimes they don't. Just like anything else. Um, and I, I think it's more a matter of sort of fine-tuning how you do things. In I, order to I think that I said this back then, and I'll say it again. Um, for me, sitting there doing the mantra over and over in my head doesn't help me focus as much as speaking the mantra out loud. And honestly, like I said, I think that if you're wanting the spell to be something internal, I think you can do internal magic, silent magic, but I think it needs to be for yourself. I think it's things like calming oneself down, which honestly, I think it all goes back to meditation. I think it's those inner mantras. It's that inner spellcraft of, of playing with your own emotions or playing with, um, you know, the way you feel about a, a, a situation or psyching yourself up for an interview or something like that. I think that can be inner silent stuff because that is, that, that is affecting inside your internal, uh, eco, your, your internal ethos. Um, but if you're trying to affect the physical world, I think the spell needs to be spoken on the physical plane. I think it needs to be spoken. I think there needs to be some sort of sympathetic something going on. I think it needs to be in the physical plane. If you're going to affect physical change, if you're affecting internal change, by all means, let it be internal and silent. See, and I don't, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. I think the problem is most people, when they think their brain goes so fast that outside of a meditative state, it can be very difficult to have the same degree of focus on a thought that you can have on what you're saying out loud. Uh-huh. Because there's a different, it uses a different part of your brain to actually speak words than it does to just think something. I mean, you're thinking things all the time. Probably in the space of time that this show has been going on, you've had thousands of different thoughts about all sorts of different things. And I know I've difficult. thought about pizza at least 27 times. Me too. We should go for Gino's East. Oh my God. Oh, that's right. I don't live there. Never mind. <laughs> um, 
But no, that's the problem, is our minds work so fast and in so many random directions that it can be very difficult to actually have the kind of focus that, to me, would be required in spellcasting. It's not impossible. It's not impossible at all. And you've you've probably had situations in in your life where... For some reason, all you can think about is something. This especially happens when you're mad about something. No matter how hard you try to think about other things, you are always drawn back to what you are mad about. And you steam there, you sit there and steam, and you think about it, and you obsess about it, and all you can think about is how mad you are. That takes an incredible amount of focus to do in, you know, voluntarily. And I think that's why a lot of people have difficulty with spells in their head, because they can't get all the rest of the crap out of their head long enough to maintain the focus required. That it, and it's much easier to do that when you are speaking the words, because you have something else to think about. Absolutely. And, and, and yeah, and I do think both are perfectly plausible. Um, she ends her email by saying, I have one minor complaint. Okay. Your show is too long. Sorry. I listen to podcasts in my car, and although I do drive a lot during the day, I'm never in the car for 45 minutes, uh, for more than 45 minutes. Just a suggestion, break them into smaller individual podcasts. Um, okay, it's probably a lot of work, and I'm probably the only one who would appreciate it, so I'll keep listening even if you start doing five-hour shows. Do you know the interesting <laughs> thing? Uh, she ends with blessings, Julia. Um, the interesting thing is we had actually originally discussed that this show might be five hours long, four or five hours long. Yeah. Not this show specifically. Not but, this one specifically. But, but the yeah. entire podcast because it was, you know, a monthly show and we thought, well, people will have time to listen to the entire thing. Yeah. That So you're lucky that you're getting an hour and a half or two. <laughs> yeah. You um, really also, are. Um, I, I, you know, when I did, there was a time where my show was half an hour long. My personal show. Uh, it was a very short period of time. It was like three episodes and then we were on to four hour mega no, show. It was like 15 or 20 episodes. The first like 15 or 20 episodes were about half an hour long. Uh, I don't think I went over an hour for quite a long time. The reason being is because I was doing four or five shows a month. And then I got into doing about two shows a month. And there's more to talk about because instead of sitting there doing little topics bit by bit, I was, you know, because of time and effort and energy and all of that um, and the ability to actually have time to sit down and do a show, I was only able to do it about twice a month. So there's more to talk about. It's a longer show. Oh, well. Right. Um, I'm glad that you listened to the show, Julia, uh, just because we differ on ideas of say it just for because, me. Just because Firelight is an astralist. <laughs> I just, I just, I just, me personally, the astral plane, I hear that and I, I, that, that raises issues for me personally. And see, that's why you're an astralist. That's why, because you can't get beyond the word and understand what people are saying. So, uh, you know, and that is an opportunity of mine, which is very, very, very retail language. It is an opportunity of mine. And that is your issue (laughs) that that you need to work through. I need to work through it. And not discount other people just because they use terminology that you have an issue with. Absolutely not. And Julia, you keep doing your spells on the inner planes. I will keep doing my spells in my way, and we will both be magical people. Yes. Yes. Aww. Because, because it is so fun to be a magical person. It is so fun to be a magical person. And it's so fun it's to have been awesome. with you witches today. Yes. It is so fun to have been with you witches today. If you would like to be one of our endless strings of emails that we rant <laughs> on about, um, you can do that by emailing us. 
Yes, you can email us at incitingabruhaha at gmail.com. You can also tweet us to keep up with us on a uh, more regular basis. That is twitter.com slash incitingariot or... Or twitter.com slash witchesbruhaha. So yippee skippy on that. Um, We're also on the Facebooks. You can actually search for me um, uh, on... uh, Oh, it's, I, I am Firelight Rioter. Firelight's all one word, even though my name's not all one word, but it's Firelight, all one word, Rioter. Um, I love it that every time you give your Facebook information, you always specify, even though the name's not one word. I because people keep doing it. People keep doing it. People keep doing it. I just, I just think it's funny. Thelma. What does it matter? Thelma. So what does it matter? <laughs> I mean, really? I mean, come on. Stick um, out of ass. Relax. It's okay. Uh, let's see. Um, Although, really, I don't do anything on Facebook. Nothing. If you are looking for a Facebook buddy, I am not your girl. But they are, there are. Oh, God. And I am so I, all nothing. about the social networking, which I shouldn't be because, oh, man, that can that can soak up my day. Me I being like on Facebook yesterday soaked up so many hours. Occasionally, I will tweet. I don't tweet a whole lot, but occasionally I do tweet. And, and when I do our, tweet. Both of our shows have pages on Facebook. You can search for Inciting a Riot and you can also search for Witches Brouhaha. But Inciting a Brouhaha has no page. No, it does not. I do like I do like the Twitter though. Although generally when I tweet things, I try to come up with things that are funny or that are, you know, entertaining at least. So, so what I'm, are you not saying? Very... I'm not I'm not entertaining. No, saying? I'm just saying that that for me, that's what I try to do and I am not very funny <laughs> and I am not very entertaining, which means I don't tweet a whole lot. <laughs> Feel free to disagree. Oh, you're hilarious. If I worked at a restaurant on Valentine's Day, I would put a fake diamond ring in every girl's drink. Aw. That's cute. That's twisted. Says the laughing lesbian on Twitter. And I'm with the laughing lesbian, we will leave you. We're we're gonna go now. Yes, we're we're gonna go. Happy Before twenty episodes, start- Velma. Happy twenty episodes. That's so cool. I had no idea we were coming up on that. Twenty episodes. That's a yeah. lot. That no, not really. Well, okay, <laughs> it's twenty episodes plus all of your shows plus all of my shows. Well, it, yeah, we that's e- well. We have that's each... like one hundred and twenty-seven episodes. I, I just did sixty-seven. Um, yeah, there's twenty years. There's eighty-seven. Forty or forty-one. Oh, golly. That's yeah. a lot. 120 mm-hmm. something, 130. Yep. Crazy talk. That's a lot of listening to the two of us. That's I'm not sure I could do of, that. That is a lot of us on the interwebs. Yeah, I don't I don't think and I could do that. The number of that. hours. The number of hours? Yeah, oh. we're not going to go there. Oh god. You no, could listen not to us there. for a year. <laughs> well, no. But no, you couldn't. <laughs> But you'd you'd get a full couple of days. You'd get a long weekend. It'd probably be out of all three of us. It would. I wonder if it would be close to like a week and a half. Who knows? It'd be a long time. Mostly because of me. I do apologize about that. Yeah, it's all your fault. Everything's your fault. fault. Um, And uh, with the message of it is all Firelight's fault, we would like to wish you happy Valentine's Day or happy. I do not. I do not wish happy Valentine's Day to anybody. Happy Unvalentine's Day to those of you. Happy Lupercalia. Happy Looper, there you go. Happy Lupercalia, which yes. is another made-up that's holiday. The, that's the good pagans alternative to that evil Valentine's Day holiday. You're just <laughs> mad because you know you don't have a Valentine. No, I'm maybe not. if Donald with the Scottish brogue will send us emails of him and his sexy Scottish kilt. <laughs> I no see. That's the thing. Scottish accent, sexy. 
kilt? No, okay. not so much Leave to me. the kilt at home, Scottish brogue man, <laughs> and possibly um, send us pictures and possibly with your voice. And do you live in the Midwest? I am perfectly happy being single, crazy, cat lady, witchy person. I, I like it just fine. Well, good. I would just like you to have somebody, please. I, I, I want you. I want you. I want you to go to your me? wedding. Uh, no, so you don't go you. that way. Oh, baby. <laughs> All right. Later, witches. Bye. <laughs>